This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 376 being recorded on November 18th, 2015. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peak. Sebastian is, is has moved forward in time from the 20s to approximately the 50s. Uh, audio quality... Uh, no, 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 no. 60s. I'm in color. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like 30, 30, 32 color, maybe? Something like that? How I'm many brought shades? to you by Technicolor. <laughs> yeah, I've got two, at least 256 colors here. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, interesting week of stuff. I, I actually I feel a little bit disjointed um, because I don't feel like I have done anything with technology since the last podcast. I was like, uh, football happened on Sunday. What did I do on Saturday? I did something on Saturday. Huh? Football. Football. Regular football happened on Sunday, right? Like, so you know, football, like normal NFL football. And then I had the Monday night game. Because I'm a Bengals fan, we went to that. That was a disappointment. Not as disappointing as have your starting quarterback pulled, uh, pulled for throwing yeah. four interceptions <laughs> in, in a, and getting in a like game. 45 yards. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I started him in one of my leagues, by the way. Well, uh, which was a minus. You've stopped him. Which was a minus seven. Uh, for <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> on, Money on well spent. Uh, yeah. Oh, so okay. That's what it was on last Friday. There is the first UK. Actual regular season basketball game. Went to that. Saturday there was a basketball game. We did not go to that because we had too much other stuff to plan for. Monday we went to the Monday Night Football game. Tuesday uh, we went to Chicago, my wife and I, <clears throat> to go to the UK-Duke game. Of course, UK won um, uh, rather convincingly at that game. And then drove. we had to drive from Chicago to Columbus, which is about five and a half hours on its own, uh, down Route 30, which is like a long way and uh, pick up my daughter and then drive home. So it's been like eight and a half hours driving for me today. And then I like came straight here and I was like, well, I hope a week of stuff happened. Hopefully somebody <laughs> made show notes so we could talk about what's going on in the world. Uh, real quick. We do record the shows uh, on Wednesday nights, 10 PM Eastern, 7 PM Pacific. If you want to come hang out, we do that at pcper.com slash live. If you want a gentle email reminder about when we do that, go to pcper.com slash subscribe. You get this page here. Ask for your name and your email address. You will want to sign up for this list this week because uh, next week is Thanksgiving, isn't it? It is, yes. Uh, But before that, before Thanksgiving, on Tuesday of next week, we're going to have AMD in-house to talk about their new drivers, talk about their new... uh, uh, Stuff I can't mention yet. Um, they're going to be in here. They're going to come talk to us. We're going to give away some hardware and some prizes. And I think it will be a pretty interesting discussion, and they have promised to be open and honest with anything we want to ask. Uh, so we're going to ask you guys during the live stream for questions, and we'll, we'll solicit questions beforehand on the site as well. But if you want to get in on that free stuff, we give it away during the live stream. Uh, so if you sign up for our mailing list here, I'll make sure that you have all of the details necessary about the when and the where and the why and the how and the who. When that time comes. And then in the beginning of December, we have uh, uh, the Killer Network guys coming in. They're, they're actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this yet. I'm pretty sure we're going to give away a laptop on that stream. So 
that will kick a lot of ass. So make sure you sign up for that mailing list. Again, pcpro.com slash subscribe. All right, so let's get into uh, a couple of things. We have uh, – we're going to start off with a couple of cooler reviews. Maury's not on the show today, but he did review – uh, the Noctua S series CPU cooler. Now, Sebastian, you you are, you have the next product for us to talk about. Did you happen to look over Maury's review and kind of compare contrast a little bit with what you have done, or are you going blind on this one? I read over it. Uh, Noctua, of course, for those who don't know, they make extremely high quality, very quiet CPU coolers. Back in the day, these were all like three pin fans, and they came with different noise adapters, little attenuators that uh, step down the RPMs on the fans. Right. These days, they all ship with PWM fans, and they've done different things with designs. They keep on sort of iterating on the same designs. It's a low-profile uh, design with a single tower that they've right. done a couple of things with here. This is, you have a dual tower design with a single fan in the center, which is a, a play on their D15 cooler, and one of the one of the hallmarks of all of their coolers is they all have copper heat pipes. Right. Everything is nickel plated. It all looks very good. They have I I think the best mounting system in the industry, hmm. and the results are typically extremely silent, close to silent performance, and uh, extremely good thermals. What I saw from Maury's review here, the dual tower cooler. Uh, the tower style cooler in the review had similar right. performance to the D15, very low noise output because it only has a single fan, and extremely good performance from the uh, lower profile design as look well. Look at those heat pipes. This is the tower one, the uh, the 15 yeah. DS or whatever. Uh, look at the, look at that. That's a lot of heat pipes. I, something about the dual tower design just looks neat to me. Like over overzealous, yes, perhaps. For most people, but still, uh, I, I think it looks pretty impressive. Yeah, and if you have the space for it, because these coolers generally stand pretty tall. I think it's right. around 165 millimeters tall. And almost every mid-tower is going to support this. Sure, sure, sure. So unless you're dealing with a slim case, in which case they're lower-profile designs. The C14, there's a few variants of it out there. The 14 means it has a 140-millimeter fan. right. Um, their C-types are the sort of folded tower design. And as you can see in the photo on the screen, if you're watching the stream, it's it, you can mount the fan on the underside of this yep. C-shaped tower. So it becomes extremely low profile and still offers very good cooling performance. And, and it's, it looks like it's 115 millimeters height. Uh, for just the cooler, so if you mount the fan underneath, you're you're still within that 115. Obviously, you mount it over, you're gonna you're gonna exceed that. Um, so they even show here. I think it only ships with one fan, but you can add an additional fan and go into dual fan mode, right? Right. Uh, right. And then you've got high clearance or low profile mode. Um, and again, they're, they they just look really good, and they they have kind of I don't want to know I don't know if I'd say they become like the standard for high performance air coolers at this point. But I feel like it. But maybe I just feel like that because Maury uses them so often in like motherboard yeah, reviews I, and I, stuff. I consider them the standard just because even though you can compare them against something like the Thermal Right Silver Arrow, mm-hmm. which is either neck and neck or slightly ahead of the NHD 14, which was their flagship before the 15 came out, um, the the quality of the materials and the new SecuFirm 2 uh, mounting kit, which I have with my D14 it's the second edition. It's it's 
absolutely hands down the best quality I've used uh, with an air cooler. Right. And as you can see, if you're if you're watching the chart he has up, the the D15s, which is their single fan version of the D15, that dual to dual tower design is within a couple of degrees of the D15. So you're only right. losing a couple of degrees over ambient with a single fan and getting lower noise as a result. Yep. Uh, pretty pretty impressive stuff. I'm going to go to the last page here and make sure I get uh, the pricing on this. The D15S is $89 on Amazon, and the C14S is $89 on Amazon. So you're looking at similar performance, or I'm sorry, similar pricing, but just you know, trade-offs either in performance uh, and, and uh, kind of space considerations there. Check out the full review. Um, Maury seems to like these, right? Uh, if you can get past the brown-on-brown brown coloring of the fan designs, you know, uh, which... It does not work with very many builds. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Uh, but another uh, cool review we did this this week was actually one that you wrote, Sebastian. This is the Deep Cool Gamer Storm Gabriel Low Profile. Um, it, this is more low profile than that, right? Like this is actually for mini ITX designs, more or less. Yeah, you take that C style, the C14S we just looked at, and that was 115 millimeters. If you put the fan on the bottom, right? This is a total of 60 millimeters tall. With the fan on with the, the fan, fan on it's top. a 20 millimeter yeah. thick fan, very very low profile design. Look at that boxing. That's fancy. Yeah, this was a 35 dollar cooler that I picked up. Huh. And I take it out of the, the shipping box, and like this is premium looking. Like you take it apart, and it was very nicely packaged inside and out. Everything was sort of separated and well organized. I didn't have a mess of screws or anything to kind of sort through. It was nicely packaged, mm. clear enough instructions, but I didn't really need instructions because if you look at it, it's the simplest mounting system imaginable. It's the same as those uh, really low profile Noctua coolers where you basically have four little direct feet that right. go right against the holes on on the motherboard socket and then you just screw in thumb screws from the opposite side right so you and do have to have you need to have access to the back of the board for that you do yeah. so I, I i debated whether i i should put it in before i had it on the motherboard i did that for photos and then when i installed it in the in a system just to kind of try out the build as i took photos with this in a upcoming enclosure review i just installed it upright in the system and took advantage of the mm. huge motherboard cutout that most cases have these right, days. Right. But it, that was my only real drawback with this cooler. You have to be willing to kind of hold the heat sink in place with one hand and kind of screw it in however you can. So you're talking one-handed heat sink placement. Or, yeah. or you need to have a cat that you really trust. Can, can yeah, that I mean, left if or right you had hand. a second person, but how <laughs> many coolers require two people <laughs> To install, like that, that's, one person coordinating. Their, all right, now is it lined up? Okay, now put in the first thumb screw. Have you ever tried to install an all-in-one cooler by yourself? <laughs> yeah, it, it's sometimes a pain in the butt. I, I won't lie there. Um, yeah, but at least with those, wrong. you can attach the, the the fan and the radiator and let the CPU block dangle down, and so you can attach that or right. whatever order. But do you like the blue coloring on the uh, on the fan here? Is it just personal style It was style supposed preference? to be gray. If you look at the stock image that I used uh, on the first page, it looks gray. So yeah. I ordered this gray cooler that was going to be a perfect match to this Asus Maximus board. 
with the sort of gray and red color scheme I had going on. Yeah. And of course the gray comes and it looks very blue. Yeah. It still looks okay. Yeah. It's just not the match I was looking for. What about performance? What what'd you see out of it there? I, I didn't have a great comparison. I used a couple of mid priced coolers against it just to mm-hmm. give you a, a kind of an idea of what the performance was. It was very good. It was far better than an Intel stock cooler. But I did not use any other low-profile coolers in this review. I just ran benchmarks with my old Corsair H75, which is a very good $69 all-in-one liquid cooler. My Noctua U9B, which is their like their shorter tower cooler. It's 92-millimeter fans. Right. And just a few instances of those benchmarks I ran at idle, load temps, and then stress temps where I used Prime 95. And the results were excellent. Like, I... These are temperatures above ambient, but even with ambient temps of well, like 67, 68 degrees that I had, right. I never came close to 80, even overclocked hmm. running prime 95. It was like 73 degrees. So it Still more than good. kept my 6600K cool. And it was very quiet. Yeah, noise levels look fantastic on it. Yeah, very, very quiet. And it, it's because of the 120 millimeter fan. They were able to use... A, a lower profile fan doesn't spin up very fast uh, at maximum it was around 16 1700 rpm not not a lot and at right. idle i think it was running about 800 to 900 rpm right and very hard to hear over the ambient noise in the room good good so for 30 oops for 30 bucks yeah yeah i mean if it's still running 34.99 like it was when i bought it at it newegg is. i didn't see it on amazon but at newegg it was 35 bucks at that price or lower, it's fantastic, and it looks pretty good. The the fit and finish, kind of the, the it's it's one of those uh, nickel plated uh, copper heat pipe coolers that has a nice clean look to it, and it's a good alternative if you can't stand the tan and brown. Yeah, and this might fit better with your build. I, a more neutral color scheme like black or or real gray would be whatever whatever that. IKEA sells. Yeah, I mean, I IKEA it. has all sorts of uh, you know oranges and some bright yellows and even a pink. So, whatever you've got. Indeed, whatever you got. Uh, so check out that review if you are interested in a decent, low-profile, um, low-cost cooler, Deep Cool Gamer Storm Gabriel, low-profile. Uh, up next is the story I added into the queue this week. This was um, this was kind of interesting. So <clears throat> if you remember back to the release of the Skylake processor back at IDF and they kind of did all the information reveal, they talked about uh, speed shift. And the idea was straightforward, but uh, kind of kind of interesting to think about. So we all know, or we all should know, that processors change frequencies all the time uh, while you're doing processing and while you're going idle and during uh, as it switches between tasks. And it does so by altering P states, which are performance states. So it tells, hey, you know, in P0, you can run at this speed, one, two, three, whatever it is, it goes up and you have multiple steps of the clock speed. Uh, and that determines how much performance you get, but also how much power you draw. And thus, if you're on a mobile device, how much battery life you're going to get, Extend, uh, stuff like that. So the idea of speed shift was a feature added to Skylake that allows the processor itself to control which P state it will go into. Previously on all processors before this, including you know Broadwell and Haswell and everything like that, 
the operating system, <clears throat> excuse me, would be responsible for determining that, right? Um, the operating system would say, hey, uh, go back. And g- you're in your idle state. Great. Oh, a task just started up. Let's move up one more P state. We think this will be the performance level. Oh, no, we need more performance than that. Move up another one. Nope, move up another one. Okay, now give me max speed, right? And it would do this kind of step pattern. Um, and that would happen over a time period of, let's say, 60 to 100 milliseconds. Uh, it would take for it to go from full idle to maybe full top speed, depending on, on what the workload was doing. The idea of speed shift is to uh, allow the CPU to determine that based on it, it knowing how much work is being done on the processor more accurately and more quickly than what Windows does. So it's kind of cutting out the middleman. It is, correct. And when they talked about it, they said, hey, you're going to see this 10x improvement in transition speed, which is the transition between P states, um, which does not translate into 10x performance improvement, obviously. But the idea is, and this is something that uh, in my talks with uh, Intel performance groups, uh, over many years since kind of really getting into the mobile market as well, they always kind of talked about the uh, measuring performance versus measuring perceived performance, uh, which is like, yeah, you can run a benchmark, but how well does it scroll? How smoothly does it respond to your touch or your mouse click or whatever? Um, and the idea of speed shift is to improve that user experience. It's not necessarily to improve performance of any specific task, although it can do that. Like it, if the task, if you scale up higher quicker and you can finish, you know, you're, you're finishing the task a little bit quicker, but that's not really its, its primary intent. It is to um, do what we've always thought uh, turbo boost and those types of things uh, in mobile devices were meant to do, which is, hey, when you need that performance, spike as high as you can, as fast as you can for a short period of time to get that responsiveness that you want. And then, yes, you're in a thermally constrained environment. You're going to have to come back down. But hopefully by that point, um, that particular workload is over and you are ready to move on to something else. So um, when they launched Skylake, they talked about speed shift and, and these advantages it was going to bring, but it wasn't actually enabled in Windows 10 at that point. Um, and it just basically, I guess it was last week, week and a half ago, uh, version 10.586 of Windows 10 came out. And I got a little nudge and says, hey, I, you should maybe check this. I think maybe speed shift is added into that. And like, if you look through Microsoft information, they don't really ever mention it. And, and Intel never really mentioned it either. Um, so I was like, okay, I happen to have a couple of Surface devices and a Yoga 900, um, all that have Skylake in it, all that ap- apparently had speed shift enabled in the EFI. Let's do some before and after testing and see if you actually see any benefits out of it. Now, the first benchmark that we used was actually a custom application coded by Intel for the specific purpose of measuring the benefits of, uh, of speed shift, right? So this is not like a real world work test. This is not a synthetic benchmark. This is an application built by Intel specifically for this purpose. Um, and what it does is it just kind of creates this artificial workload that basically tries to spike the clock speed as, as fast as it can, as quickly as, as it can. It's, 
my interpretation of it is um, this is what the, the CPU should do when you're using a touchscreen device and you reach out and touch it, right? Like it should be like, the oh, I immediately need to be on, uh, on point. I need to know what's going on. I need to make whatever they're about to do feel responsive and snappy uh, at the get-go. So the benchmark emulates that. And basically what we did was we ran it on the Surface Pro 4 before I updated Windows and then after. And we did it on the Yoga 900 as well. And the result you can see here is in this graph. Um, let me zoom in here a little bit because this is where it gets actually interesting. So on in the second graph, the green line is before the update, right? So you can see the clock speed in the green line is kind of uh, hovering there around, you know, seven or 800 megahertz. Um, and it takes it about 30 milliseconds before we get our first boost up to just over two gigahertz. And it takes just over 60 milliseconds before we get a boost up to the full 3.0 gigahertz uh, clock speed. Um, if you look at the blue line, that is after the update, the same exact uh, workload and benchmark, you see that it basically only takes about six milliseconds and it totally jumps up to its maximum speed. So that is the transition time benefit um, that SpeedShift brings. That is ironically the 10x improvement that Intel was talking about. Um, now this don't take, don't pay attention to how long this particular benchmark runs. It's not like a, a, a specific task that, that completes in a certain amount of time. It's more to judge how fast does it spike uh, into that clock speed. And the same thing here you can see in the Lenovo Yoga 900. Same, same, same similar story. It takes about eh, almost 50 milliseconds before the update, and after the update, we're in the 10 millisecond range before it actually gets all the way up to its 3.1 gigahertz, the slightly different, uh, slightly faster processor and that model. So those are really, really impressive numbers. Like you actually see uh, how you could get that performance boost, that experience, uh, user experience benefit based on those numbers. But we obviously run to run through some real benchmarks or some other tests. We ran SunSpider uh, and Web Expert, which are kind of browser-based standard benchmarks. They see a little bit of improvement here. If you look at SunSpider, um, the green bar, again, representing before the update, the blue is after. You're seeing some improvements. SunSpider is a collection of JavaScript code that they iterate through. Um, so you, you are seeing some benefits there. It would make sense. JavaScript is one of those things that runs on a browser, spikes um, in very sporadic usage. You can see benefits there. Uh, and Web Expert, again, this time lower is better, or I'm sorry, higher is better. So the after update scores are, uh, are improved there. What I found maybe more interesting was uh, the real world testing part of this. The idea is to, uh, we used the Surface Book for this, and we actually took high, uh, high FPS video footage of me touching the finger to the screen and swiping up uh, on PCPro.com in Chrome and in Edge and then on Google Maps, for example. And the idea was is that you could measure the time from when your finger starts to move to when you actually see the screen move and animate, right? And if you count the frames between when your finger actually moves and when the screen moves, you have this measured latency, uh, plus or minus uh, a, a deviation of one frame rate of the capture on the camera and one vertical refresh on the screen itself. Um, so it's not a, 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 a super precise science, but we, you know, you run it three or four times, we kind of average it. Uh, and we kind of hope that the averaging takes away the error of V-Sync and uh, uh, the, the FPS of the camera, right? So each, each frame of the camera is only 4.1 milliseconds. So that, that's, that's a pretty minimal uh, gap to worry about. So here's, here's the results, right? And they are more impressive than I honestly expected them to be, even after doing the briefing with Intel at IDF, right? So if you look at this graph, um, you know, you look at PCPro.com loaded up in the Microsoft Edge browser. 
the green line is before the update. We look at uh, the latency between when I touch the screen on the Surface Book, scroll up, and when we actually see the screen animate. 158 milliseconds. That dropped down to 90 milliseconds uh, after this update that enabled speed shift. Uh, a similar difference on Chrome, a little bit less of a gap. And then uh, on Google Maps and Chrome, a a sizable jump down, but but not as much as, as we saw on PCPer.com uh, with Edge. Like so, that first result here is a seventy-two percent improvement in kind of just the feel of 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 the UI of the interaction, and it's you know Sun Spider doesn't show that big of a gap. Uh, the web expert doesn't really show that big of a gap, but it was kind of a, it was immediately obvious to me um, b- because before I had updated the Surface Book, I keep tapping it here, but nobody can see it on the video. Before I actually updated this, I had the Surface Pro 4 next to it that has the exact same hardware minus the discrete GPU, but it has the exact same CPU and uh, SSD and all that. And I had one sitting next to each other, and I would open up the same web page in the same browser and and swipe up and I could you could actually feel the difference it was a noticeable difference and it is equivalent to say uh, the positive experience somebody has scrolling in a web browser on a, a brand new iPhone versus like a year old two-year-old Android device where like the, the touch interface is just a little bit laggy it's just a little bit behind you get used to it uh, as you use the devices but there is a there is a, a gap there um, so I found this to be pretty impressive, actually, uh, that the difference in this Windows build, enabling speed shift, enabling this technology, you know, we showed it with that particular application, the kind of the custom built application and benchmark to it, it is changing the clock speed of the CPU. Uh, and thus the results are, are, are pretty impressive. You guys have any thoughts on that? I want to know if it works on VMs. Because that would actually be really damn cool if they could integrate it uh, into something that is actually emulating a bunch more processors. Because you do sort of run into a problem with speed states, uh, at least in some of the stuff that I've run into with web servers. And if they could put that through on that, that would also, you'd see a lot more improvement than you would on the little book. Yeah, that's interesting because it's a hardware level thing. Yeah. But it does have to be enabled in the operating system in some way and in the EFI. So I'm, I'm, I'm not well, that, sure. I imagine that control has to be passed off to the, uh, the EFI, EFI, UEFI, as yeah. compared, because when Windows starts, it assumes that, hey, That's I control true. these P states, and then suddenly it gets this thing from the UEFI saying, no, I do, and it's like, well, okay, here you go. Yeah, and I think, I think you're probably right there, and I know um, that there, they still. It still works with the operating system in terms of it. It has it in a window, like the. It's it's a larger window that it can control it in as well, uh, or not as well, but now. So it's not. It doesn't have complete autonomy, but it has a much larger window, as clearly as you can see, as, as it changes as much as it does. That's an interesting question about like in VMs and stuff. Um, I don't know the answer to that. My my first statement. My first assumption would be no. That this is like, oh, you know, they probably didn't think that through yet, or that'll be coming in a well, later version. Actually, my guess would be not yet. Yeah, I bet you they will implement it, but maybe not in this iteration. My guess is that there's so much other stuff going on with VM implementation that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and I had some comments on this article or on the YouTube video that that I posted about that was like, because if you if you want to see the, the the slow motion video, I did put that in the YouTube video uh, that's in in line with this story. It's pretty interesting. I think you guys should check it out. Did the you com- do slow mo sound as well? 
Uh, no, no, I don't. Should have done that. Should have done that. You um, should have. Uh, but they're saying like, well, I run my process, I run my desktop machine at full speed all the time anyway, so this doesn't affect me. And you are absolutely one hundred correct, one hundred percent correct. Uh, although it is enabled for desktop systems, apparently, according to some people I've talked to, most almost all motherboards should have this support built into it. Uh, and if you don't run your CPU at full speed all the time, which I kind of would recommend at this point that people don't do that, it's kind of not necessary. Um, hey, some of us fold or do SETI at home. Okay. Yeah, I mean, then you're actually doing something with it. Yes. You're not just running it at full speed okay, just because. Well, maybe they want to heat their house. I mean, it is winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Again, I think of more efficient ways to do it, but everybody's got to do their own thing, I guess. Um, I, I think it's a a very valuable feature to have to this, right? Like, Intel has done this thing where they're striving to get to, like, we want to be as good as Apple and iOS in every way. It's harder for them because they don't control the Android OS. They don't control Microsoft's OS. So they have to work through these other methods and then partner with the software guys to make sure they get all of that done. Um, well, think about this. What's the, what's the biggest selling segment in the personal computer space? Uh, laptops. Right. Oh, yeah. So laptops, you absolutely have to have battery life. It's a, not a compelling product if it gets three or four hours battery life. So they strive for battery life lower and lower TDP SKUs for these processors. If you can run a processor that has a, a 800 megahertz, uh, like a nominal speed on a, on a battery-saving power mode right. that can spike just, just for a fraction of a second while you're doing a touch input, if it's a convertible or a tablet, or if you're clicking on something or moving the mouse cursor around, you get that, that feeling of immediate speed that, well, once your command is done... You know, it drops back to that nominal speed again and saves you some power. You could have a laptop that feels faster and has longer battery life. So I think for laptops, it's essential for them to do this. We saw some of Intel's optimization on their phone platform, the uh, Asus Zenfone 2 that I reviewed, um, extremely fast at spiking up to the full speed of the SOC and then dropping back down. So it had the most fluid feeling touch input I've ever felt on an Android device, similar to the kind of optimization that Apple's able to do since they own the sure. the IP on the SOC and they they develop the operating system and they actually make those two work together. So it felt very, very smooth and fluid. If, if something like that gets implemented in software on Windows 10 and they can work on optimizing with the Intel processors, it, it would be a compelling thing to me. At 240 frames per Sorry, that's just me talking through me, through, a, through an unmuted uh, laptop. I was going to show some of this video. There we go. Now I can go. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it, it's the, similar to the SSD effect. Even if I had an SSD that had a max speed no faster than a hard drive, uh, even if it was slower than a hard drive, if I maxed at 100 megabytes per second writes and reads, if there was zero latency to get to those, it would still be far better to me than using a spinning disk. Yeah, agreed. Here's some of that uh, footage there. So you can kind of see on the right, the screen begins its animation before that. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a noticeable difference. Here, let me bring up the Google Maps variant. Is that the uh, friendly touchpad stranger? <laughs> yes, exactly. You never know which hand is which. No. Um, be using that mirror to record. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was using the mirror to record, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, where do I show that, actually? I thought I'd, I think I put that in here. I don't know. But regardless. Um, so that, that's, I think it's a pretty interesting little like demonstration of, hey, here's a, yeah, here's actually. Uh, this was the this test process for it. So the mirror is there so I can see exactly when the finger touches the screen, Josh. It does serve a purpose. It's important to have both of those data points in the high-speed footage. Um, so check out that story. It is titled, uh, Intel SpeedShift Tested Significant User Experience Improvements. Um, so let's take a quick break here. We're going to thank today's podcast sponsor. That's right, everybody. This episode is once again brought to you by Braintree. Developers around the world have embraced the Braintree V.0 SDK as the easiest way to add secure mobile payments to their apps and websites. Perhaps joshtech.com needs a payment service. That's actually a pretty good idea, Josh. We should probably look into that. Just Let's yeah, monetize. Anonymize it, See how many people just show up and pay money to joshtech.com for no reason. For no reason. People still send money to penstarsys.com. So on purpose? let's get on it. Yeah, I made like a buck twenty last month. Damn, son. Get you some. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so what's, what's good about the Braintree uh, service? No matter what payment type, uh, they accept it. Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if something new pops up, they will support that as well. It's the same payment solution used by Uber, Airbnb, and GitHub, so you know it scales. It will be able to handle the traffic that joshtech.com will give to it. Integrating it into your app is as easy inserting as inserting a few lines of code. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash pcper. It's a simple secure payment, so you can integrate it in minutes. If uh, you don't have to worry about taking days to integrate it. Literally, it's done in minutes. If you don't have time, you can give them a call, and they'll handle the integration for you or walk you through it. The Braintree code supports Android, iOS, JavaScript. Uh, it's in seven languages, .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, and Ruby. It's elegant code with good documentation and 10 lines of in-app code. Try out the sandbox, everybody. Do us a favor. Go to braintreepayments.com slash PCPer and see how easy it is to integrate it into your own app or website like Josh Tech with 2Ks.com. You know, I say that. I honestly don't even know what is on that page anymore, and I'm kind of afraid to look as I... Let's look together right now. Uh, you know, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the YouTube video. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No, I know. We need to put up a, a page in between that with a <laughs> donate button. That's right. If you enjoy this service, wink, uh, please donate, too. <laughs> if you hate it, please Plus, donate more. they could more. finance the production of another fine video, just like the one available at joshtech.com. Right. What we do is we set, we set a threshold, and whoever donates the most money gets to decide what video it goes to. So I have it's all like, sorts of storyboarded <laughs> ideas out there. They just, we just need a few bucks to put it together. First person donates five bucks, point it to whatever video they want. Somebody donates six, boom, they get to point it to whatever video they want. You want some mirrors involved? NSFW. NSF, But it has to be a YouTube video because at least then there's some semblance of control. Well, it'll be tasteful. Yeah. Everything will be simulated. Yeah. <laughs> Camera angles hide everything. Uh, let's get into the news of the week. Um, AMD R9 Fury X voltage and high bandwidth memory unlocked with Sapphire Trix 5.2.1. And that pronunciation is correct. I have checked Sapphire on it. Um, Or is it Tri X X? I can't believe. Why wouldn't they just put a third X at the end of it, right? Or or maybe a Y. 
Trixie. <laughs> yes, Sapphire Trixie. Now you're talking. So I will be the first to admit that I have not been the biggest fan of the Trix software. I mean, it's, it's worked fine over the years, uh, but it's very – how do I describe its design style? Trixie? Clunky? It's like it's – like, Speed dials and car gauges. It's like no, guys. We're, but is it we're past is that. it not better than AMD Overdrive? Anything in the current version of Catalyst Control Center is better than that. Yes. So I mean, in your review of the R9 Fury X, yep. you were using uh, Overdrive to overclock it, right? It was. So yeah. this would be an improvement. So Plus, this is now you can overclock the HBM. You can unlock the voltage. I wonder how far though. That well, I'm so not sure about because I do not have but... a Fury X. Yeah. I mean, this this is better than, than anything else, right? Like, I don't know, people who always say, oh, just use the AMD Overdrive. It's like, well, maybe it'll be better. Maybe when Crimson comes out, it will be a drastic improvement in how that works. I think that'll be the case. Plus, with the Crimson, you'll be able to do per-game overclocks, which I think is really cool. Uh, I don't know if they'll offer that capability to their third parties that are doing software development for this type of stuff. But if you can get GPU voltage improvements and memory unlocks kind of without having to do, cause you could do memory unlocks before, but you had to kind of like hack things, right? Yeah. Right. So if they've unlocked that, that's pretty cool. And people who have Fury X's, I think should download this and give it a shot. If I have time, I won't have time this week. Um, eh, maybe I will on Friday, uh, to, to download it and give it a shot with one of these, uh, with one of these cards in there. I will do that. Do you have to register to download this software? No. All right. No, you do not. I am in. So nobody's trying to get You need a valid phone number, though, to download. <laughs> last, email address. last four of your social security as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems legit. Uh, what's the URL that I can send people at to, to get that? Is it... Uh, it's in the news post. I do not have it. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, a, it's, it's at Sapphire's site, and it's, it's not actually a very on the R9 uh, Fury X product page. Okay. 5.2.1 is the version you need for that. Yes. Makes sense. Um, Jeremy, are you look? Do you need a ten core twenty thread processor? Uh at this exact moment, no. But oh hell yeah, but why not? But don't you want one? I mean, you, I I want one. You want one? Um, it's possible that it looks like Intel's high end desktop processor, uh, as Sebastian has written the um, uh, the abbreviation here. That is the official acronym. Yes. Moving from Haswell to Broadwell. There's always this lingering thing of like, damn it, why isn't it Skylake for me, right? They're always a generation behind in the architecture there. But anyway, Broadwell E um, will offer the highest consumer count to date, core count to date, according to a post at Ext Fastest, which I believe is a Japanese website. I think so. It's in a, it's in a character font that I don't understand. That's what right. I know when I go to the webpage. It might be Chinese. Uh, it might be Chinese. You're right. Um, uh, t- up to 10 cores, it looks like, on this. Mm-hmm. Now, 25 this, meg of L3. This slide only says 8 and 6 core options. What's up with that? That slide does. That's the old VR Zone leaked slide. Ah, uh, okay. But this new report, new report. actually if details keep scrolling down. a 10-core, ah, yes, 20-thread <laughs> part. Now, this chart from WCCF Tech. What's this is of tech? Outlines all the way up through Skylake E, which will be on a different platform. So it will be off X99. Right. It will be a different socket. So for the enthusiasts already on X99, looking for an upgrade or somebody getting into X99. That. So, so was this chart uh, made by A.A. Ron? What? God damn it. 
<laughs> no, but they're, they're getting closer and closer to matching AMD's graphics cards with their uh, CPU names. The 6950X and Skylake E may be the 7970X followed by the R9, the i7 R9 290X <laughs> in 2017. Why would they go 6950? What? What? Like, look well, at all the ones before. But you were at 3960, 4960, 5960, 6950. Like, what is, what, what the shit? Like, just make it 6960. Could they not I'm have 696? I'm guessing this was one leaked part, and there's probably a family of them with similar names. Nah. But, and I don't think it's all that surprising. I was looking through the massive number of uh, Xeon parts that are out there. Well, when is this supposed to be released? First uh, half first this half year. First half, oh, next yeah, year. Yeah, next year. Oh, okay. I was wondering if, if they were kind of hedging their bets and seeing what uh, what Zen would be like and uh, no. possibly releasing a higher part than the 6950. So they're saving. Realistically, Josh, let me ask you. Just, just no. Do you do you really do you think <laughs> no. anybody at Intel is like super concerned about it? Not not that I don't want them to be, and not that I don't want it to be a good enough part that they are. But I gotta imagine the people that are like designing these products, right? Like, so Broadwell E is just like this thing. They're like, I don't know, shit. I give them a ten core part. Who cares? What year is it? Sure, move up two from eight. We were at six at one point, and we we're at eight. Okay, just make a ten. Fine, go whatever. They already have Xeons up to eighteen cores right now that you can buy for right. very reasonable prices of just under ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So right, reasonable. Yes. If they're going to, yeah, if they're going to throw that thousand dollar. You know, ridiculous, unnecessary for most consumer extreme edition part out there. This is basically a Xeon with higher clocks. So they could go 12, they could go 16 cores if they wanted to. Yeah, but they don't because they they got to save some margin for those higher end parts. I mean, Skylake, right? You look at this on this chart, will it just go up to 12 and that'll be, you know... I mean, you think about it, they were at six six cores for Gulf Town, Sandy Bridgey, and Ivy Bridgey, and they just finally went to eight with Haswelly. Um, so I don't know. I'd like to see I, – I, I'm glad to see that it'll, it's X99, uh, the same LGA 2011-3 uh, socket. So in theory, you just get you – know, you just get like it's an upgrade in line. That's always cool. You know, it doesn't really happen that often anymore these days. Um, still a $1,000 part. You know, maybe they'll release the like the five hundred dollar part will be eight cores instead of ten. Maybe you think it'll be six cores, six cores instead of ten. Yeah, six. Maybe. I would assume six still. Yeah, the sixty-eight twenty. Yeah, but no, I don't. I don't think Josh they're holding back the twelve core part, the sixty-nine sixty X for. Uh, I, I was thinking more just a clock speed jump and just yeah, maybe that get that extra ten. Yeah, there. yeah. They just they'll just be like something comes out and they just go like middle finger and it's four gigahertz instead of three gigahertz at ten yeah. cores. And they're like, deal with it, son. And we're gonna ship a two hundred forty watt cooler with it too. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The sixty nine fifty XT. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Just those extra couple of megahertz. I, I love seeing this stuff. This is obviously what we want to use for our GPU test beds, anything that you want to create a, a minimum 
like zero zero percent chance of CPU bottleneck is possible. Uh, but I still like for the majority, the vast majority, ninety nine percent, ninety five percent of the people uh, who listen to this and read our site are just fine with 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 the with the consumer parts. So you say that, but what if I wanted to encode that movie just a little bit faster? Uh, the more cores, the better. When you're in handbrake, you buy need it more at, Buy it at Best Buy. Right. I don't know. Moving on. Stop downloading pirated stuff, Sebastian. Jeez. How do you? I'm talking about transcoding off of a disc. B- but Blu-ray is perfect. Just keep it on there. Oh, of course. Move I mean. an optical drive with you wherever you go. S- physical media is the future. <laughs> Streaming is the future. <laughs> Physical media, when when the, I was thinking about this, is like when the grid shuts down, the electric car I buy is completely useless, right? And like everybody that has electric car or or a gasoline car will just be able to like go plumage and plumage, uh, pillage yeah. and steal gasoline from places. And I'll be like, can I have a battery? You know, and she like, right, let me get my generator out. Give me three days, and I will have this car able to go 250 miles. Uh, in any event, yeah, I can drive you 50 miles. You just got to drive 50 miles on this bike that I got hooked up to the generator. Right, to exactly. Crank it up. Exactly. The bike will experience a renaissance <laughs> in this future. If Walking Dead has showed me anything, you just find cars with gas in them every once in a while. And apparently, in the Walking Dead future, you can still hotwire cars. Right. So, don't need key fobs. That's not how it works. Uh, Jeremy, tell me about Cabby Lake and how it has overflowed onto the interwebs. So this is this is past Skylake, a kind of refresh of Skylake, right? So what what new info did we get this time? Uh, well, and of course you got to say the, these are all rumors from a site with a font I don't even recognize, let alone read. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, uh, I mean the the news seems pretty good. Uh, what we got was information about the Intel 200 series chipset, which uh, is going to be more towards the high end. Uh, so 30 PCIe lanes, you're not going to feel cramped uh, even when you're switching that between PCIe, SATA 6 gigabit, USB 3, presumably M.2 slots. Right. Lord only knows something that maybe uh, Intel is going to optimize Optane, uh, their their new NVMe uh, cross. Nope. It's, it's not NVMe. Well, it's non-volatile memory. It's not NVMe. Well, it's not branded. It's the E is the interface. NVMe. It's Optane is not NVMe. It's so, it's non-volatile memory, eh? <laughs> it is <laughs> NVMe. But okay, regardless, anyway, it, it's the ahead. same stuff you're already playing with. It's what everyone's really excited about. If it's out, it's going to be supported on 200. It's going to be lovely but save a few uh, PCIe lanes for it. We also know it's still going to be an upgrade, a a drop-in upgrade, so it'll still be LGA 1151, uh, which is really nice to know that you're not going to be taking that last process that you bought and saying, well, crap, no new chipset for me, or in the other case, can't upgrade the processor on the old uh, motherboard that you've got. Right. Uh, they're going to range, uh, you're going to get duals and quads at 35 watt to 65 watt TDP. The quad core everyone's interested in will be a full 95 watt. There's one thing I I don't know if it's because there's some sort of a trickery they've got going uh, for the IGP or if this is a misprint, but they're talking about support for 5K at 30 hertz with one display 
or 5K at 60 hertz with two displays. I think they mean two display links. And that's sort of what I'm thinking is yeah. what they mean. But just the fact that it can do 5K at 60 hertz off of the processor itself. Right. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive. Like, seriously impressive. And that unfortunately better than what AMD is talking Ken, Ken's about. saying that's DP 1.3 capability. So it might be like... Okay. It might it maybe by one display and, and two display, they mean two display links. That's what I'm. That would be my guess. Yeah. Because otherwise, it doesn't really make much sense, and now I'm kind of worried. So it looks like it's going to be an interesting upgrade if any of this is true whatsoever. Because I think the Intel intern with Microsoft Paint made that uh, made that slide. Which one? The first one or the second one? That one. Yeah. No, it's got. I know. You know, whoever made that slide is going to email me now. I'm not an intern, damn it. Tell that son of a bitch. <laughs> Tell him to blame me. Times New All Roman right. is the best font. <laughs> At least it's not Comic Sans. That's true. That's true. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's questionable, but re- I could believe it. Indeed. All right. Um, hey, do you guys remember the Shield tablet? Huh? The Shield tablet? Oh, was that thing you were supposed to send back because it was going to explode? It's not the Shield because the shield was this portable gaming thing. Is, but that's not is, the shield. Is this the, the same shield, different day? No, different shield. Oh, okay. This yeah. is the shield for the living room, right? It's a 4K video streaming device? No, 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 different. This is the shield tablet, but this is the, apparently shield tablet redux, I guess. Is it actually updated? What is new? Uh, the It doesn't catch on new, fire. And the price is new. Is it that called is the shield tablet K1? They're calling it the K1 after the Tegra K1 processor that's in it. Nothing is different except when you open the box and you take out the Shield tablet. Yeah, I'm You are done. There's nothing else to take out of the box. There's no controller? There's no controller. There's no USB cable. There is no power adapter to charge it. What? What? The assumption is... Now, this is the same thing that Nintendo did with their new 3DS XL. Yeah, NVIDIA ain't Nintendo, dog. Dude, it's a portable gaming machine. Obviously, they are. And they can they can pull the same move that Nintendo pulled, which was sell a customer a product that doesn't have a charger on it. <laughs> so the assumption is that if, you, if you're in the market for That's... this tablet, you probably already got a cell phone. And if you've got a cell phone, chances are it's... And why would micro... you ever... And why would you need to charge two things at once, you idiot? Right? Yeah. That's yeah. so stupid. This is all you need. You can chat on your, your K1. <laughs> you can install Hangouts on it and chat with your buds. You can. Yeah. 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 You can stream on it. Yeah. Come it has on. an internet browser. It's running. How much could a wall work and a cable cost now? 80 cents from China to include in that uh, box? Don't and they're, ask Apple. they're totally safe. Nothing will happen to the battery in this <sighs> tablet if you use a 90 cent charger. Guaranteed. No, I'm saying cost to NVIDIA. No, no clearly, oh. don't go to Amazon and buy one of those for yourself. No, go to go to eBay and buy it directly from Hong Kong the, for the, about fourteen cents. The, like I, I actually think the Shield tablet is a good product. It's not a fantastic device, but it is a good high performance Android tablet. That like if you do if you want to do Android gaming, it's the best device you can buy for that. Um, that's like in a portable format. Um, if you want something to hook up to your TV, obviously you get like the regular Shield device. Uh, the regular one, the Shield Android TV device. Um, they need a better naming scheme. 
they they needed a better one for a long time. If um, Shield is the brand, that's fine. So the K1 yeah. tablet, why isn't it just the Shield tablet? Why different? Well, they're going to stick K1? with it till they hit K9. What was the first no. Shield tablet they had? What was it called? Oh, it was it was it wasn't the Shield tablet? It was the Tegra tablet. Remember when they announced announced the name of the Shield as Thor on stage? Accidentally? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a good name, right? Probably a copyright issue of some kind. But So $199 is a good deal, probably, but it's stupid not to get a power adapter. And I guess that's all I have to say about that. But think about this. For 300 bucks, the old price of the Shield tablet, you can buy a Shield, a power adapter of some kind, and a $60 Shield controller. And you still have a few bucks left over to go get yourself some dinner. Like... Maybe maybe get one of those like Sonic slushies with candy in it. Yeah, you can do that. You if you go during like happy hour, Ryan. if you go happy hour, between hours three and seven, they're half off. That's... You can get pieces of Jolly Ranchers in them. It's really weird. I did have one last week. That's why it was on my mind. I Sounds wouldn't, like hillbilly bubble tea. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's a slushie, so it's ice. It's a slushie where halfway through you break several teeth. I mean, they're pieces of Jolly Rancher. Jolly Rancher. Yeah, you can get other candy. I'm trying to remember what other candies they have. but uh, That's the only candy you can think of? It is. Well, it's the one I got, so that's the one I can think of. Kevin Durant had a commercial. He told me I should go. Look, I just, I just do what the commercials tell me to do, guys. I'm sorry. Let's move on to the next story. Asus Chromebit CS10 runs Google's Chrome OS anywhere for $85. What an incredibly insightful and informative title. We can probably Wait, how much? Now. 85 $85. There's not enough nines. $89.99. Hey, this one comes with a power adapter. That's good. But it, and it also doesn't have a battery for charging, so that's maybe more important, I guess. Um, so Chrome OS, not dead, uh, but Google and Asus have partnered together to release the Chromebit CS10. It's 85 bucks, and it has an HDMI port, kind of like those uh, the Intel compute sticks you see, but this is not an Intel compute stick. This is a Chrome compute stick of sorts um, that lets you run Chrome OS on a TV. Am I interpreting this correct, Sebastian? You are, indeed. Yeah. Quad-core rock chip 3288C SoC featuring uh, Cortex-A17 cores, Mali-T624 uh, GPU, 2 gigs of memory, 16 gigs of eMMC storage, 802.11ac Wi-Fi. That's not too bad. Bluetooth 4. Uh, and with Taha, USB 2.0. We'll have to fix that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, the, brand it's the name. Haxer version of right. Taha USB 2.0. It's Taha 2.0. USB 2.0. Uh, they can hook up a Bluetooth keyboard, mouse. I mean, this seems pretty interesting, actually. Is this, this is, how much less, how much less than the Intel compute stick is this in dollars or performance? Uh, in dollars. I thought the compute stick was around one twenty nine. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, I priced it recently, but it was like either one fifty or one twenty. So let's say forty bucks, like low ball at forty dollar difference. You're getting this for forty dollars cheaper. Performance is what's that? Yeah, you get a better UI for it, right? You don't have to run regular Windows on it. Um, I say that as a negative. It's not necessarily a negative, but um, you get a different experience with it for sure. Uh, you're definitely getting lower performance with the Rockchip A17 cores. But, you know, for what you're doing, maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. i I be completely honest with you. I have used zero Chrome OS devices other than, like, 
hey, here's 30 minutes with this device type of thing. Um, so I don't really know what to expect from them. It is available soon, out of stock at Newegg, not showing up on Amazon. U.S., U.K., Australia, Canada, Denmark, Finland, Japan, New Zealand, Norway, Spain, Sweden, and Taiwan. Outside of those countries, tough. Tough. Any any other thoughts on this? Anybody, Sebastian? Anybody? Like, is this is this something you think we needed, wanted, should have? Well, if if your goal is to get a simplified interface for viewing content on your TV, you can buy a streaming device for less money that will do the same thing. You can buy a Chromecast for thirty five dollars. The Nexus Player is now forty nine dollars everywhere. Yep. And the Nexus Player is just a phone without a screen that you hook up to your TV. And it performs like one, too. I tried one out, and I returned it almost immediately. <laughs> it's, they're slow, and they yeah. feel, oh, it's like I have my Nexus 6 hooked up to the TV. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I almost think exactly. at some point the phone resolutions are so high and a TV resolution is so low in comparison, it should just work. You would think so. You right. would think it wouldn't look like total garbage. Yeah, but I was wrong. And Yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You know what's not going to perform like total garbage? Probably, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Knight's Landing based Xeon Phi add in board. That's pronounced Landing. I'm sorry. Launches Kniggit's yep. Landing based Xeon Phi IABS. You got to show the title if I'm going to read it like that, Ken. Can't show the title. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so apparently, this is, this is not a picture of the add on board, I assume. Is that correct? Guys, this is an on-board version of Xeon Phi just launched, which Intel aims at supercomputing audiences. Uh, available as a socketed processor that is embedded in, as PC World states, a limited number of workstations. So that's going to be at least two. Uh, by the first half of next year, the interesting part about these processors is they combine a GPU-like architecture with an x86 instruction set. Josh, do we really think that this stuff has legs? Um... That's a really good question because Intel is hanging their strength on current compilers and software that can handle x86 processors and utilize as many of them as you can throw at them. Right. So instead of uh, going to GPGPU, which requires a lot more special programming and uh, not as well known as, as just basic multi-threaded x86 they're thinking, hey, we've got a huge amount of cores. We've got a ton of memory. We've got a huge amount of memory bandwidth coming in with our kind of uh, um, what? Uh, what is it called? What are they calling their version of what? X-Point? Of HBM? Oh, Intel. Yeah. Are you talking about 3D Crosspoint, the Optane? No, because that's no not HBM. high bandwidth memory. Look at okay. Look at the the I picture. Did, I didn't know Intel had one. I'm going to be honest with you. It's got three different levels of, of memory. Triple, and triple level memory. The, you see those pads all sitting next to it? Yes, I see those now. Yeah, yeah that memory. That's memory. Right, I got gotcha. you. Goes on that. And so yeah. they've got uh, three different ways, apparently, to address all that memory. I think it can have something like 32 gigs can, uh, can be on, the, this, on the, the thing itself, as well as external DDR4. And so the fast the st- fast stuff is all on it, sure. But they have different caching methods and coherency that you can kind of mix and match how how you're doing it and how you use that uh, onboard memory. You can use it as a, a you know a last level cache before main memory, or you can actually have it kind of sharing. You've got 
you know, some data in main memory on that and, and other stuff that doesn't get as is uh, accessed nearly as much on, on the main DDR4. Right. But it's going to be interesting because we're about ready to come on to a next generation of uh, AMD and NVIDIA parts that promise a lot more raw horsepower than what this can provide and at similar probable, you know, probable TDPs. Now, this is a 14 nanometer FinFET process. Uh, AMD's apparently going to come out with a. F- There's some. I think that the Greenland actually um, <sighs> taped out on the Global Foundry's 14 nanometer um, right. FinFET Pro Plus or Power Plus, whatever. And uh, NVIDIA is going to be using TSMC 16 nanometer. Okay. Um, with Fiji. AMD came really close to, you know, one billion transistors to one teraflop of performance. So they've got 8.8 billion transistors, I think, with Fiji, and they can do like 8.3 teraflops. And they're expecting the next generation of GCN to improve upon that. So you've got a processor that's anywhere from 11 to 16 billion transistors, and we could kind of see that perhaps they're going to hit the 1 billion per 1 teraflop or a little above. And this one is a, what, 3 teraflop uh, double precision? Well, let's, yes, double precision. 8 teraflop single. Yeah. And so right now it's it's competitive in, in single precision with Fiji. Yep. Though it, it spanks it on, on double precision because I think Fiji is like 1 16th yes. um, the rate. And uh, a lot precision. of Maxwell is 1 32nd. What's that? And Maxwell's like one thirty second. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why would they do that? But I guess nobody ever uses double precision on these things. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see if this product does have the legs or if AMD and NVIDIA are just going to kind of get together and say, hey, this is a lot less complex with what we're doing as compared to trying to get all these 72 x86 cores, even though they're better than the P54Cs that were in the previous generations. Right. Um, but they have those huge 512-bit vector units that can do 512-bit AVX. Right. And uh, that, that, that's going to be really interesting if, if people start you know, utilizing that technology sure. and having that huge amount of, of memory bandwidth of you know, 32 gigs, which, of course, AMD and NVIDIA will match that in the professional space yep. next year most likely. But they also have 128 gigs of DDR4 memory that you can also attach to that. So it's going to depend on the workloads, how much programming people want to do, and uh, just a bunch of real-world decisions uh, of how much this thing is going to cost, what kind of uh, power cost efficiency we're looking at, and uh, and how easy it actually is to to program for all of these x86 cores in there plus their vector extensions. Yep. Uh Side note, we don't have a separate story on it, but I did see, I think it was Ken pointed me to a story on a non-tech talking about AMD at, what conference was it at? Some conference, AMD announced they were uh, going to... SC15? SC15? Computing 15? Right. And we did have a story on it um, where they talked about that they were going to uh, integrate CUDA compilers in the not-too-distant future. The Boltzmann Initiative? Yes, that one. Yes. So that's not what I'm looking at here, Ken, but yes. Yeah. So that's that's something interesting. We'll have to talk about that, talk about that in the future, about AMD finally going, okay, okay, fine, we get it. 
here's a CUDA compiler moving forward. So we'll see what that kind of affects. Uh, and last on our news list, which apparently is like almost 100% Intel crap this week, uh, the new Skylake-based Intel Nook models have been announced. They're on their website. You can see them here with the cleverly uh, titled NUC6i3SYH or the 6i3SYK, the 6i5SYK. Did you know that the uh, marketing head of Gigabyte uh, was hired by Intel? <laughs> no, I can't I, be because these actually make sense. Well, I was, <laughs> was going to say these have been around way too long for me to believe that any change has been made. Um, but so these are, you know, same form factors that you see before. There's one that has support for two and a half inch drive along with M.2, one that does not. Uh, it looks like the Core i5-6260U processor, Iris Graphics 540 4K display. So these do have Iris graphics in them, which is pretty interesting. And it was interesting, too, that the 540, I was looking at the specs, yeah. it's basically Iris Pro with a new name. It's, yeah. So uh, Iris 540 is the version with 64 megs of... Instead of 128. Instead of 128. Okay. Yeah, so they kind of created two divisions of it with Skylake. So that's pretty interesting that they're going to get all of that into that small form factor. So now I want to get one of these and test its you know, gaming capability. Now that you can hook it up to a 1080p TV, you can hook it up to a regular monitor. Um, to a 4K monitor? I, yeah, well, I don't get crazy here. Uh, in terms of gaming capability, at least. It's just an well, official PC perspective. These will play all the latest games at 4K native resolution. 60 frames a second. All but only the, if you're streaming from Josh Tech. All of the latest games, yeah, but you have to donate to Josh Tech for it to work. It's a special yeah. unlock code that you know, Intel it's, partners It's really with funny us with. you mention that because I, I just got a PayPal notification from penstarsys.com that uh, Matthew <laughs> Cavignaro donated $8 and said, go buy a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, That's Matthew. pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, we always had that, you know, get a plan, question mark, profit. Right, right. We've solved the question mark. Josh Tech. JoshTech.com. That's right. All right. We'll have to do that. Um, so, yeah, I want to get one of these uh, one of these new NUCs in. I thought, did, did I get another one in recently? But will you get the H or the K? There's a lot of boxes over there. Um, oh, get the H. I, I always kind of go for the, well, I would go for the K at this point. Because if you're going to go small, go small, dog. Like, do you need a two and a half inch drive in there? No. Nah. Nah, dog. Not even or, your pick of the week. At this well, point, okay, does it need true. to be smaller? Are you, I mean, would you? Nah, would, why true. do you need the extra vertical space? It's for the two and a half inch drive. I know, but I, what I'm saying is, within your home, when you place one of these, <laughs> why do you need that extra inch? Maybe I did. We not start out discussing how tall <laughs> the ceilings were, so we could figure out how much extra crap he could right. fit in the right. studio. When you're tetrising this shit. Sometimes <laughs> you got to get that extra space in there. Josh knows what I'm talking about. See, with Look at him. with Look the Josh, mirrored yeah. bedroom situation, he's got his own Skype tower going <laughs> where each of these has its own Skype feed. I'm, I'm going to get 10 nooks donated and I'm going to stack them up on Ken's desk, the studio desk here, and that's how we're going to do every Skype call. Perfect. Is that way. Figure it out, Ken. Uh, speaking of picks of the week, let's get into our picks of the week. Uh-oh. Where'd they go? Um so, let me open these up here. Jeremy alluded to my uh, pick this week because it might require a two and a half inch drive bay if you were going to uh, use a Nook as well. So let me, there we go, get all this open up. 
in my incessant desire for the 10 cent per gigabyte solid state drive, we are now one step closer. Uh, I want to give a quick shout to where to go. Oh, that was an email, not on Twitter. Oh, damn. It's gone forever now. Sorry, dude. I lost your email. Um, a reader sent me this. It is a Mushkin. Uh, I can I see the price there. It's a Mushkin one terabyte SSD. I don't know anything about it technologically, performance-wise. It has a, a recommended reward from a non-tech and tweak down editor's choice award, so that's maybe something. $249, no rebates involved. $249 for one terabyte of solid-state storage. That is $0.25 cents per gigabyte, um, and uh, that's getting closer. We're only $0.15. Cents, uh, that Brett Baird, by the way, is the uh, individual who sent me this link. Only Ryan is only $0.15 cents a gig away from his Diamond Gig SSD pricing prediction, and we haven't even gotten to 2016 yet. I believe my prediction was by the end of 2016. And I Alice thought it was it, by the end of like 2014. No. You've been on this for a while. No, no, no. Because Alan was like, oh, it'll never happen, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, by the end of next year, we'll have 10 cent per gig SSDs. He said, no, it'll never happen. And I was like, oh, well, psh, we're only 15 cents away now. Alan, two get weeks out ago. From under the rock you're living under. <laughs> you know, There's going to be a silicon a- motion powered SSD with the world's slowest EMMC style flash mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by the okay end of next that. year. I'm fine with that. One terabyte, $100. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Boom. And here I was excited several years back to get a 240 gig drive for 289 bucks. Yeah. I mean, so it's I such bought, a good deal. It is. I bought an Intel, uh, the X25M 80 gigabyte drive as a listener of this fine podcast. <laughs> you hearing fool. Alan talk about it and how fast it was. Yeah. I waited and waited and waited for it to come in stock on Newegg, and I bought it $300 for an 80 gigabyte SSD. God, we're also stupid. After the price drop. If we would just wait, man, things would be so much cheaper. But it was so fast. I'm not. That's it. I'm not going to buy any more SSDs until 2018, so I know I'm getting the best deal possible. 2009 SSD speeds <laughs> in 2016 for 10 cents. I didn't say how fast they were going to be, damn it. I just said they would be 10 cents per gig. And I'm not going to talk about how much my Mac store drives used to cost me. That's true. Uh, who's up? What do we got? Jeremy, are you up now? Uh, supposedly am. Uh, and I'm going to follow in your footsteps in something that sounds like a bloody good deal. And, hey, there's a return policy if I'm utterly wrong. <laughs> but uh, in Canada, things are a little bit more expensive than they are. But for 500 bucks, for a 29-inch, 21 by 9 curved LG monitor. Josh likes curved things. I do. It's actually a chance for a Canuck to uh, try these crazy-ass giant curved monitors without having to smuggle it down back from the States, which could be very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it's curved for your pleasure. Your pleasure or yes. the border guard's pleasure. It can be both, but, as it turns out. Uh, it can be both, but it's IPS. It's uh, 2560 by 1080, so it's not quite 4K, but hey, 2K ain't that bad. And for yeah. that price up here, uh, it's worth giving a shot. For prices up there, because it's 75 cents on the dollar. What's this translate yeah. into American dollars? Like $199. <laughs> American. It was cheaper on Newegg.com. I'll put it that way. Let's see. I'm going to look it up. On Newegg.com. Wait a minute. No. Whoa. It's 519 You're getting burned, son. Oh, Damn. 
I'm going to buy it on the Canadian website because then it only costs me three twelve. Oh hell! Even if you pay customs, you'll still be yeah, saving money. <laughs> I think so. I think so. All right, Josh, what do you got? Oh wait, I know. Um, you know, maybe I should change it. I don't know. What no, do you think? No, it's too late. I've already got the. You know page what's kind of interesting? I've already Is got the page there's loaded. A special, there's a special deal out here. Oh, Jesus, what are you? Where are you putting the link? <laughs> well, give me a second. Oh snap! I got to reload. It's it's got to be in the show documents, otherwise I can't put it in there. And I'm already showing back to Dinosaur Island on the screen. You know, that's that's yeah, but just he's not, not showing it in so VR. Far. Just go to Josh's Twitch channel and watch what he's playing. <laughs> so is this oh, just a cheap. V? Is this it's a large. Demo? It's adaptive. All right, switch off this, Ken, so I can go back to the page and see what the dumb shit he put on there was. <laughs> dumb shit. <laughs> You're so kind. It's a cheap, large. Get a load of this sister? and look at the price. Okay, I'm I'm loading it. I'm loading it. Is it a 10-year-old monitor? No. All right. There you go. What am I looking at? Okay. 29-inch, ultra-wide. It's only, you know, 2560 by 1080, but it is FreeSync and after rebate, 249 Yeah, that only has a FreeSync range of 48 to 75 Uh, But you know what? That might not be – no, that's still going to be a bad deal. Really at two forty nine? That price. So the free sync range is only forty eight to seventy five. Yes, but it's twenty nine inch ultra wide. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, even if you use it as a static refresh uh, display, that's still okay. Yeah. yeah. What panel type is that? It's It's IPS. It says IPS. It's IPS. IPS for even forget the free sync. That's not a bad price for a widescreen monitor. Yeah. Guess what? They don't sell it up here in Canada. Of course they don't. Well, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to tell you guys. I think I have Every- this monitor. I do have this monitor here. What do you mean you, you think know. you have this monitor? I don't know. It's a long story. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Sebastian, <laughs> what do you got? Two forty nine ninety nine. That, but for four ninety nine, okay, you can buy my pick of the week. Oh, I read that Earl wrong. Or three ninety nine. What did I say? I don't know. Pocket casts. If you're like me and listen to a lot of podcasts, such as the fine podcast you're listening to right now. If you downloaded this and are listening to it okay. right now. Yep. Uh, Pocket Casts. And I mentioned Pocket Casts to Ryan recently and was greeted with, how much is it? $4! <laughs> Didn't even want to try it, so whatever. But right now, if you if you were to look up a podcast app on Android, the first one you're going to see is Podcast Addict. That one's fine. And for free, it does quite a bit. Yeah. But this has the... This has absolutely the best, most responsive interface of any podcast app I've ever used. And that's, you know, versus on every platform, iCatcher, Downcast on iOS, uh, Podcast Addict, and the other ones that I've tried for Android. It it feels great. It looks very good. They keep it updated continuously. But the way it actually works is the best part of it, of course. it's It's got really big touch points that are very easy to actually use. It's got a very good built-in uh, navigation system for, for no, and your notifications bar, so you can control the... And that's kind of standard. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you're going to know what I'm talking about, like the types of controls you get when you slide down the notification bar, exactly what you can do. But when you actually select and play podcasts with this, it has the best, I think, end-to-end experience, especially if you're catching up on old episodes. Like If you find a podcast like ours, and you're like, hey... Well, I'm going to listen back and listen to like the last two or three of these. Don't do that. 
selecting old podcasts is the easiest thing, and it adds them in the same reverse chronological order to your playlist. If you have autoplay on, it plays them back in the correct order. Um, something that drives me nuts in other apps where I don't even know what the default is for Podcast Addict, for example, because it will go back in time and play the previous one every time, even if it has to go online and stream it, regardless of what you have downloaded in your playlist. So this thing is just rock solid. And another thing, my, I'll stop ranting about it, but it has loudness control, variable speed, and uh, silence skip. Right. All three of these. So if you enable uh, skip silence, it will just go through in any longer passages of without talking. Dead air, it cuts out. You don't even hear it. And so half of this podcast, right? Yeah, possibly. Right. I mean, it, can it to makes all the podcast short. I don't even notice it, but I look at like time saved, and it'll be like, oh, time saved uh, seven hours. Like I've saved seven hours of podcast. Does but it I just, even know. Does it just delete dumb podcasts? And say, saved you three hours, <laughs> moron. I keep on trying oh. to add the PC per podcast, and it just won't. <laughs> save time. Another ninety minutes this week, idiot. Now, right. am I the anyway, only one that's it's, bothered it's by the startup icon? For Four dollars. Uh, that's not, if you yeah. bring it back and show the startup icon, I have, yeah. that's. Let me zoom in here. I, I'm yeah, just. See that one. He's he's reaching out for money. That's what uh, it is. is that it's what not, it is? It's not what you think. He's, he's not doing out. it for free. He wants money for it. <laughs> he's give me give me some money. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's our show this week, guys. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, I do want to reiterate to go to this page, pcpro.com slash subscribe, and sign up for our mailing list because next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, I should say, before Thanksgiving, we're going to have AMD out here. We're going to give away some hardware. We're going to have some cool some cool guys talk about some cool stuff, uh, hardware, software, et cetera. Uh, and we will uh, take your questions, solicit feedback, uh, and I think that should be a really fun event. Uh, we Ken needs to clean up this whole office before we we do that. Actually, um, next week's show will probably not happen. I guess I'm just realizing since it's Wednesday before Thanksgiving, um, and I always have a ton of people at my house on Wednesday nights. Uh, we'll see. Maybe uh, everybody else is free and they want to do. We can. We can do a fantastic uh, Google Hangouts edition of the PC Perspective podcast or something. Why we'll do you see. say it like that, Ryan? What? Fantastic Google Hangouts edition? Yeah, you're like, uh, I don't know. I guess the other guys can throw some Google Hangouts Ugh, together. Hangouts. Or we can throw some crap at the screen and see what sticks. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, that's it for us I guess then so we'll see you next time guys pcpro.com slash podcast find all those back episodes uh, download that app that whatever the hell Sebastian was talking about you can download back episodes there as well oh yeah uh, don't get it, the Windows phone version of it that that should never have existed why do you have a Windows phone don't get a Windows phone <laughs> uh, I have every major platform of phone Ryan I, I understand you do I have a Palm Pre 3 the yeah. unreleased uh, HP Pre 3 edition I have a Nexus 4, a Nexus 6 for the Android side. Mm-hmm. I have a Windows phone. I have a Lumia 635. On purpose? On purpose. It was $20. Oh, okay. That's fine. And it lets me test out Windows phone apps. All right. All right. Okay. Like okay. Horrible, horrible, Stop horrible justifying it. Windows Stop phone. justifying it now. We get it. It's fine. YouTube.com slash PCFer to find all the videos and stuff. We'll see you maybe next week, maybe another week after that. Bye, everybody. Good night. Goodbye. Bye.